Welcome to Mysterious Goings On. I'm Alex Greenwood. You know, I love to check in with fellow writers, as you know, if you're a frequent listener to the show. In particular, I like to check in with indie writers and authors, people who, for whatever reason, have decided to make themselves not only the author of their work, but the editor and the publisher and sometimes even the you know the cover artist it just depends but i love to talk to uh, indies particularly because they're spirited people who truly truly believe in what they're doing and sweat and and toil to do it and uh, the rewards can be great as we know i interviewed uh, recently new york times best-selling author who started as an indie alessandra torrey and she is now uh, made the bestseller list. So she's a hybrid. She describes herself. She still does some indie stuff. But I want to talk to a fellow indie. I started indie. And now I've got some small press stuff, very small press, <laughs> so small that you don't even see it. But I want to talk to a fellow indie who's got a lot of exciting stuff going on. And this is uh, my uh, pleasure uh, to introduce Amanda Steele. She is from Manchester, England, and she is going to talk to us about her journey and her books and and lots of stuff. Amanda, welcome to Mysterious Goings On. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. It's my pleasure. Well, Amanda, tell us if you would uh, your journey. I'd love to hear. Um, I think everybody who listens to my show here really likes the origin story of us superhero writers. So, what's your origin <laughs> story? Um, I think I've been writing for as long as I can remember. I was about five, and I tried to rewrite some fairy tales. I remember making like a big sheet of paper folding it up and rewriting the three little pigs I don't know how it ended but I just presented it to my mum and said this is my book <laughs> <laughs> you know I did the same thing although I think I just rewrote episodes of Star Trek <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's funny how they had some of the exact same lines out of the show my my folks were amused I think about that so you so you've been writing obviously then since you probably since you've been able to write so is there a particular genre that you're attracted to I see you've done a lot of things what's uh, what what's attracted you most um I do have a bit of a reputation for horror but I've done a lot of different things but as someone pointed out to me in the writing workshop I do the common theme seems to be that somebody always dies <gasps> Because they said to me, have you done anything where nobody dies? I'm like, well, I'm sure I must have. And I went back through everything and I can't find a single thing. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's a cheerful subject. I mean, but, <laughs> but so when you say that, though, but is there, a, I mean, you say it's, you're sticking to mostly horror, but now people die in mysteries. I write mystery thrillers. People die in those. Have you done anything like that? I've done a book called Ghost of Me, which is a crossover between crime and paranormal. And it starts off with the main character finding herself in the morgue and she sees her own dead body and realizes she's been murdered. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And, but your first, were your, were your, that's your, that's not your, that's your more recent book, right? Ghost of Me. Is yeah. That, is, yeah. Okay. Now what's, what are your, uh, what's your, is, what about the Destiny Initiatives? Is that a series? What's, what's that all about? That, that's a young adult fiction series. And I started that about three or four years ago. 
and there was a thing called Kindle Scout, which was like a competition and you could get votes and you'd get published and you'd get a publishing contract. And I did get quite a few votes, but it didn't win that. So I just went on to self-publish it. And then I unpublished that. I've got a small publisher for it and that's fallen through now because they've shut down due to lack uh, of money. Yeah. So I've republished it again. <laughs> and I thought because it's been so long, I just put the second book out straight after and the third one's coming out probably at the end of the year. Well, how do you, how do you find that's going? Uh, I've done a series, I'm on my eighth book and my series uh, could very well be the last, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to notice a diminution of sales in the series. Um, it, so I guess my question is two things. One is, do you feel, do you feel like the series is still a viable thing for you? Is your series working out? Um, or, and what is your take on that? Uh, if it, if it is working out, do you keep going or you just say to yourself, no, nah, it's going to be a trilogy and if it sells well, great. If, but, or do you kind of do what I did? And I'm a masochist, I guess. I just keep going, even <laughs> hoping the next book will, will sell. How, how do you feel about that? I think it was always going to be a trilogy and it's still going to be. And I'm getting to the end of the first draft now. And I feel like I've probably gone in a different direction with it than I would if I'd written it maybe two years ago when the first book got published. Right. Right. Well, I, I ran into a similar deal. My, uh, my first book back way back in 2007, 2008, I, I was really close with a couple of agents who were really interested in wrapping it. And then of course that was when the first great recession hit of the century and uh, everybody just got very scared and said, you know, no publishers are not going to take any risks right now. And, and I've kind of fell in the same boat that you did where it's just, yeah, but I, I want to get this out. And uh, so I under, I understand that when, cause I have a drawer full of stuff that's just crap and I will, I don't want to get out, but that one I was proud of, you know? So I understand that, you know, it's like, you don't want to keep your, your kids locked in a closet, you know, especially if they're, they're really entertaining kids. Um, so, so, so when you say it's a young adult, the destiny initiative stuff, can you give us a little, give us a little flavor about that? What, what's it all about? What goes on in these? Okay. So the main character is called Meredith and she's descended from mermaids. So that gives her some powers that mermaids have, like she can lure people in and, sing to them and make them do whatever she wants to do. And then as the book goes on, it, she discovers other ways of using the powers as well. Mm -hmm. And she's supposed to protect people who have got an important mission in life. So there's a kid who's going to grow up and cure cancer. And then uh -huh. the bad guys are trying to kill him off. So she's got to save him. And it starts from there, really. Oh, wow. Wow. And uh, who's your, what do, do you think it's, is it young ladies who are reading this more? Do you have any idea about your demographics? Who's reading it? Uh, I'd like to think there's males reading it as well. There's like a secondary character who's like her brother, but he's not. But because they get taken away from their parents at the age of seven, he's like, she's, they're like the only family they've got to each other. Ah, okay, very good. So, so there's a good place because I think it's important for readers, depending uh, to to identify with at least one character, right? Do you feel that way too? Um, I I always like to make sure that there's in my cast of characters in my books. There's always I have people say, "Oh, I really like that guy," or "Oh, she's she's totally me." You know, she's my fave. You know, I think that's so helpful. I, I think I think that's an important thing for writers to remember is to always make sure that there's. Um, ample ample avenues for the reader to um, to fall in love with your work yeah yeah i did get a lot of good feedback the first time i brought it out as well because it, it wasn't planned but as i was forming the character of meredith i just thought she likes girls she's a lesbian mm -hmm. and i've never really done that in my work before and everyone was 
commenting saying it's good to see like a positive lesbian role model in it and yeah. instead of like falling in love with the brother type character which might normally happen in the thing with them being the two main characters right right it's definitely like a brother sister relationship and i think it helps to establish that and says there'll be no romance between those two yeah, I think it's fantastic because then again, there you again, you have and particularly young adults who uh, are discovering their sexuality. They 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 want literary figures and to to cling to as well, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, because she's really comfortable with that. The thing she's not comfortable with is the fact that she's got to save the world and she's a bit torn <laughs> between having a normal life and doing what she's supposed to do, like a destiny says. <laughs> and she kind of wants to do both. I think she does like having the powers, but she also wants to be a normal teenager. Oh yeah, I th I think that's a fun uh, thing to do with. I do that in my series too, or the bleed character. He just kind of wants to have a normal life, but it, of course, that, that's not allowed because he's my lead character. He gets falls into messes all the time. But yours, my gosh, my guy's not saving the world. He's just saving his corner of it. You, <laughs> she's actually <laughs> Meredith's actually saving the entire planet, right? <laughs> Well, she's trying to. She might be making things worse. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Uh, perhaps the uh, the road underneath the sea is a similar thing, but I doubt that. I'm sure she's uh, fantastic. Well, that sounds that sounds fun. So that's the Destiny Initiative. So Ghost of Me. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what's what's going on there? Okay, so I started this in my early 30s, so about seven or eight years ago, and it's one of those that I just put to one side and forgot about. And then I started doing a creative writing master's, and I thought, as part of it, I'll start submitting bits of work from that and get feedback on it. So it was a completely different story to what it would have been if I'd written it back then. Sure. And And it's... You told me a little bit earlier, I'm sorry. So is it, is it about, it, is, it's a, somebody's dead and someone dies in this one, of course. Yeah, she's trying to solve her own murder. She's not a policewoman or anything like that. She just watches a lot of CSI and those types of shows. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks based on that, she can solve her own murder. <laughs> well, that's okay. Most, uh, <laughs> most crime authors, that's where they get most of their information too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So some of the ideas she's got might not be correct, but that's the point of it. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's fun though. Yeah, so yeah. she makes her own mistakes and all that stuff. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and then um, she soon discovers when she comes across evidence, she's a ghost and she's not learned how to move things yet. So that's a bit of an obstacle. And she comes across the secondary character, Steve, who's a recluse who can see ghosts, who's locked himself away because he doesn't like seeing ghosts. Oh, so, so, so let me, and I, I, you've got, okay, you've already let the cat out of the bag, so I can say this though, because, so she, she's, she's dead. Yeah. And she's trying to solve her own murder. Yeah. Does she know, and did she find out she's dead? You know what I'm saying? Does the book start and she's like, I know I'm dead? Or did she, did, did you just say she discovers she's dead and that starts the whole thing? And she's, she's standing, like, in, she's standing in the morgue and the dead body's there. And she, once she realizes it's not a dream. Oh. I think it's sort of a coping mechanism that kicks in that she thinks, okay, I'm going to solve my own murder rather than freak out because that won't be a very good story of just her freaking <laughs> out for the whole book. Right. Well, it's, it's like the uh, the old Patrick Swayze movie Ghost, of course, uh, where he's, they spend a good chunk of that exposition of that film where after he's after he's deceased where he's trying to figure out and deal with the fact that he's dead and he yeah. kind of helps solves his own murder too um 
I think this is fascinating concept. Uh, there, there's, there must be so much fun as a writer you can find in this kind of stuff. Yeah, because she got to go to a lot of places where you, like a cop, wouldn't be able to go because he'd be seen. So then she discovers a lot about people in her life. Like she thought her fiance was like the love of her life and she discovers he's nothing like what she thought he was. And then she works in a restaurant and she thinks this old couple are coming every day like her and she's talking to them and she discovers that they actually thought she talked too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, you know, that's the thing. They, you know, you hear that all the time about I, you know, I'd love to just attend my own funeral. Now I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to do that, you know, as a ghost. I, I don't know if I want to be able to hear people whispering, like, because say they're up there doing these encomiums about what a great guy I was or something, right? And there's people whispering in the back, yeah, but, you know, he, he had really bad breath. Or, you know, he, <laughs> he, yeah. he, he really thought a lot of himself. He, he wrote that, he did that podcast about that book he wrote, and I didn't like that book at all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then again, that might be very entertaining. I, I, I guess, of course, if you're dead, that, that, you know, what people said about you might be the least of your problems, but at least it would be entertaining. And I know it's got to be good fodder for your readers. So let me, let me ask you this. So you took the plunge with this one and adapted it into an audiobook. Is that right? Yeah, I didn't record it myself. I got a Canadian woman called Valerie Moss, and mm. she's recorded the audiobook. She did a really good job of it. Did you go through ACX or did you do it on your own or? I went through ACX. Okay. Did you, did you audition people? I've done that once with one book and listeners, I'm sorry, I didn't say ACX is basically the way indies and, and others can get their books recorded and you can do, and please Amanda, correct me if I'm incorrect because it's been years since I did this with my first book, but you can basically put out you know, calls for audition, so to speak. And you ask people, you tell people the subject matter, you tell people the kind of what they're expect, you expect of them, what kind of genre, all that kind of thing, what kind of voices. And then people submit um, yeah, audition I tapes. Thinking. Is that right? Yeah, I did that originally. And I started looking for people as well, because you can like listen to people's auditions for other things. And if you like the sound of it, if you think they'll do a good job of your book, you can send them an offer. And I think I'd sent a few offers to people because I was looking in the UK in Manchester because that's where the book's based. And I got an audition through from Valerie who was in Canada. And I thought of this, oh, no, it's going to be a different accent. It's not going to fit. Right. But she read the book. She read like an extract of the book. And I thought, well, suppose it fits. It doesn't have to be in Manchester. Well, and... and you know, it, do you think too, you, you've got to kind of um, maybe hint at accents a little bit or, because you might uh, lose some appeal with, well, think of silly, typical Americans, you know, who can't maybe can't quite have an ear for a Manchester accent. Do you find that maybe finding someone who can kind of just give hints of an accent is, is a little more accessible? Yeah, I found, I found, well, somebody, I don't know how true this is, somebody I know said that it's probably a good fit because it's kind of a crossover between what American people can understand and UK people can understand the accent. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think so. Um, I think that, uh, uh, I mean, there's so many different dialects and accents between our countries anyway, but I think that that's a happy medium that like you described. So, so how long did it, do you recall how long it took her to uh, record it? I think I approved uh, the audition just as lockdown was kicking in. 
So she was probably stuck at home. So she had it done in a couple of months, I think. Wow, that's pretty good. Did you, I think I recall I was given pieces to listen to as my guy went along, like three three or four chapters at a time, and then I would give him notes back. And and uh, if there was anything I, you know, mispronounced or anything that I thought was strange. So yeah, but it is a process. It's not something that you can just whip out in a weekend, nor would I want it to be. I. I, uh, I, I, I'm a little worried about people who whip out books in a weekend as it is, but to kind of just kind of race through an audio book, I think is, is not helpful to the quality of the book. That's just my opinion on that. But yeah. uh, so, uh, so now it's available. So it is going to be, so it's available now. This book is available on all the usual suspects then uh, including audible, right? Yeah. So you're, you get the paperback on Amazon, you've got an ebook on Amazon, Apple, Kobo, Barnes and Noble, the whole, the whole shebang there. Um, curious to ask you, writer to writer, since you're using all these platforms, because I did something kind of crazy, uh, and I'll tell you what I did in a moment, but do you find that there's one platform that everything seems to, the books seem to sell better on than others? I think it's still Amazon. It's like I used to get a lot of people saying to me, oh, you need to put your books on other platforms because a lot of people don't like Amazon. So yeah. I went and did that, and it's still Amazon that makes some more sales even after that. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. Uh, in fact, I got to a point, though, where uh, it was – I just decided that I was going to put all my eggs in the Amazon basket. I just didn't think it was going anywhere because 90 – I think at the time, 94 95% of my sales were Amazon, and they had been that way – uh, let's see, my books have been out for 12 years, almost 12 years now. Uh, it had been that way for at least five years. I just, I noticed a steep decline in books appearing, you know, book sales anywhere else. And I thought, well, let's, let's just put, because I like the Amazon uh, Kindle Unlimited options, the advertising options, the things you can do as long as your book is exclusive to Amazon. So I, I've been using that. I, I'm not saying I don't, I'm going to do that forever. But uh, right now, I think that's the way I'm going to keep going. The other thing I've noticed also is that uh, just in general, and this is probably says a little bit more about my work and what I do than about the market, I think, although I've got other authors who have similar things, but I wanted to ask you this. Have you, have you seen any change in your overall book sales the past couple of years? Have they gone up, gone down, stayed steady? Mm, it's hard to say, really, because early on, I had two of my early books in Kindle Unlimited, and I did Amazon ads and it was really successful and I got a lot of sales and re page reads from that. Mm -hmm. But then every time I've tried um, the ads afterwards, it's not quite worked as well. So it might have been a one-off fluke. Huh. Well, you know, I've got several uh, writers who are in the same boat. They've had some really good success. Uh, and then something I and, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I, I often wonder about, well, is there something about the algorithm that... Um, that we're running afoul of uh, that that makes that happen. That and of course the the market is just flooded, of course, with books and not all of them great, but the it it's harder to rise up, uh, you know, uh, amidst the clutters. So that's part of it too. And I I just don't have huge advertising budgets myself, so I'm I'm always curious to ask other other writers how that's going. So uh, sounds like uh, you're kind of facing the same stuff most indies are facing, right? It's 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 ups and downs, but you just keep plugging away. Yeah, it seemed really positive in the run-up to Ghost of Me coming out because I had pre-order about four months before and I got quite a few sales and pre-orders from that. But just as it came out, then lockdown happened and it just like dried up so quickly then. Isn't that counterintuitive? You, you would think in lockdown people would want stuff to read. 
Well, they might be reading, but they're not reading my books. <laughs> <laughs> they're not reading mine either. But you know, but, but, you know I, I will say, I will say this, Amanda. I um. I'm, and I, I'm a, I used to be a, what I would call a voracious reader, but I'm, a very, I'm still a very strong reader. I'm surrounded by books. I love books, obviously. You can't be a good writer if you don't read. But I, I have found during lockdown it to be uh, difficult to focus sometimes. I don't know why. It's not that I have uh, – it's getting better now with work, but I'm, I'm a – if you – I mean, you don't know, but I mean, my day job, I'm a consultant. So, but my, my business went off a cliff. I literally had a couple of months where I could have read dozens of books and I just had a hard time focusing. I don't know if it was just anxiety about COVID or, or what. I don't know if you've noticed that or heard about that, but that's kind of where I was. Yeah, I've been reading quite a lot. I, I do a book podcast anyway, a book review podcast. So I have to read a lot to start with, but I've probably been reading double what I need to read and then having lots of choice because I can't put it all on the podcast. Right. Now this is reading in bed, correct? This is with yeah. you and Andy. Yeah. And, and now this is not uh, an interview story, the uh, podcast, right? This is a podcast where you're just talking about what you're reading. Is that right? Yeah. We usually have about two or three books each. Sometimes we'll have a book that we've both read and other times it's we've read completely different books that month. Okay. How, how has that been going for you? I, besides this podcast, I also do a podcast for uh, about public relations on Anchor, which Anchor, I love the Anchor platform. I don't know how you feel about it, but I love it. I was just, how's that going though? Are you getting good listenership? Yeah, we used to do it just on Bandcamp and Mixcloud. And then I started playing around with Anchor and it went onto Spotify. And then I got an email saying it's gone here, it's gone there. And I was like, oh, this is good. I'll keep using this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it's just so easy. And I love how you're not, I'm not, you know, you're, this show, I'm on, on, a, on a different host and I, I'm paying you know, a hosting fee every month. That adds up. And uh, it just, what I love about Anchor is it's, you're not doing that. And it's and there's also ways to get sponsorships and stuff. It's pretty great. Well, I'll have to check that out. And again, that's uh, reading in bed. Is Andy also, is Andy a reader or is he a writer or both? He's both, but he does more poetry than fiction. Ah, okay. Now, you've done some poetry, correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, tell us. Well, I've got a couple please. of collections. The first collection I did was called Love Dates and Other Nightmares. Ooh. Oh my. <laughs> and that was before I got together with Andy and I was on dating sites and things like that. And I started going on dates with people and it didn't turn out and there was a lot of strange people and things that happened. <laughs> and I thought I could write a book on this. So I just started writing a poem for each bad date that I had. And before I knew it, I had a collection. <laughs> okay, well then, wait, does somebody die in this? Because apparently somebody dies in all your work. Somebody <laughs> pretended to die. Is that oh, no, you're, are you serious? <laughs> okay, do, do tell, do tell. What are we talking about here? So um, this guy invited me on a date and he said he was a writer and it's the first time I've gone on a date with another writer. So I thought, well, we'll have something to talk about. And he was writing a war book about soldiers and battles and things like that. And he started reading bits of his book out to me when we were in the bar together. And there was people looking on the next table and he goes, oh, it's okay, they're from my workplace. And I thought, well, that's strange. He's invited me on a date when he knows that people from his workplace are on the next table. Yeah. And this woman was looking at me, like, nodding and smiling as if she was thinking, yeah, he does that all the time. And oh. he starts reading it out in the different over-the-top British accents. And when the main character got shot, he fell onto the floor as if he'd been shot. 
after a couple of minutes, I was thinking, well, is he going to get up again? And then I just left. So I thought, well, I can't see him all night with him lying on the floor. He might still be there for all I know. Oh, my God. You, are, you're making that up. Are you serious? No, it seriously happened. I can't oh go gosh. back to that place again. <laughs> so he's like a performance artist or something. <laughs> yeah, extreme performance artist. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That is so, I, th I really thought I had you, you know, saying, oh, well, somebody must have died in a poem. Ha ha. And then you're like, as a matter of fact, um, that is fantastic. So I love your concept, though. A poem about about these dates. Uh, now, again, what was the name of that one? The, 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 uh, the book, the collection? Love Dates and Other Nightmares. <laughs> oh, my God. That is that is too much. That is too good. Um, you've, I, I'm, I'm kind of scanning through your work. You, you seem pretty prolific. But you, and it's a variety of things. You've got the collections of poems. Uh, you've got Always Darkest Before Dawn, a collection of poems from lockdown. How to Write Wrong, a choose-your-own-adventure story. Now, okay, I got to yeah. stop you there. What the heck is this all about? Because I grew up on choose-your-own-adventure. What, what is <laughs> so, this? So that was a lot of fun writing now because I used to do a literary magazine for about 18 months and get submissions sent in from there. And I've been around doing spoken word and nights and things like that. So you come across all different characters and people that don't take rejection very well or they aren't very good, but they think they're better than what they are. Oh, yeah. So I sort of started off using some examples from there and then adapted them so they're not really the people they were originally based on. Yeah. Wow, this is fascinating. You, you, what I love is that you are you really do kind of move around a bit in the... Uh, in in the business you you don't limit yourself and you've got the the poetry now uh, this is interesting to me though you've got some flash fiction stories uh the 12 deaths of father christmas um and and, and i love this on your website all caps not for children uh, <laughs> have you have you ever wondered how santa would cope with climate change brexit or any number of issues facing the uk and beyond <laughs> oh my god and you've got a coffin with the santa hat on it and a sprig of holly oh my goodness yeah that was another fun one to write as well oh my goodness tell me a little bit about your your process if you don't mind do I know these are kind of tedious questions, but I love to ask other writers these. So let's just get to it. All right. Do you, do you, um, do you, are you a plotter or a pantser? Do you outline or do you just kind of get, get going with a general idea and see where it takes you? Or do you, do you have a strict outline when you're writing a book? I, I try to outline, but it never really works out the way that I yeah. thought I was going to do. So I just usually just jump in and just try to come up with ideas as and when I go along. I, I find the characters tell me where they want to go. Yeah. And that seems to work for me. Well, I assume it works for me, but um, that's interesting there. And do you, do you, do you have kind of a, a typical, a typical timeline? I mean, like maybe is it three to six months for a first draft and then maybe a couple of more months to second draft or how, how does that work for you? Well, the first book I ever wrote took well over a year and then it took another year to edit. But then after that, I think it's been less time and the first charge book in the Destiny Initiative series. I think I got most of that done in about six weeks. Oh, wow. For the first draft. Now, now, that leads me to my next question. Then. Now, do you, you're also a copywriter. Do you, is that a day job or what, how, how does that go? Um, at the moment, it's very sketchy. There's not much work going on. Yeah. It was, it was reasonable before lockdown. Yeah, yeah. 
I've been doing a, a, a share of that as well. There's, there's all these, but there are some wonderful freelance websites that have popped up like Upwork and uh, a couple of others where um, I've seemed to have branched out uh, from my work, which is helpful because I, I wasn't doing, I was doing mostly public relations work, but then when, when the lockdown hit, I realized I got to branch out and just put my writing abilities to use. And so I've been writing a lot of content for blogs and uh, I don't know about you, but I, I'm really enjoying writing uh, blog posts about stuff that I know nothing about. Yeah, um, I get them. I find myself just writing stuff and I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Uh, do, do you do this? Maybe you do this. I do this for some, I'm working on this kind of stuff where it's like the, uh, the, the agency or whatever says, okay, here is your anchor link and here's your anchor text. Build a five, 600 word blog post around this and add a couple yeah. extra links, you know, expert links, blah, 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 and write these things. Well, I, when I when I finally got over the hump and realized they don't care what you write about as long as the links are in there and they're natural and it's not stupid. Yeah. So I just started writing about stuff in my own life and sticking the link in there. Like for example, oh, um, uh, talking about recycling uh, and uh, and TV repair shops. I just thought, oh, there's a TV repair shop in Canada. I wrote something for right. Let's say that, and I just started talking about how I recycled an old uh, black and white television from the 1960s. And I just said, you know, that's why it's always good to have a great appliance repair shop. And there's your keyword. There's your link. And then the rest of it, it's just me spitballing, which is kind of fun. Yeah, I keep getting asked to write articles about diet and fitness. And it's not like I lead the most healthiest lifestyle choice. <laughs> so I'll start yeah. right now, I'll go to the kitchen for a chocolate bar, <laughs> come back and finish it off. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's so great. That's so great. Um, what's, so what's next? What's coming up for you? What, when, what do we need to be looking for on the horizon from Amanda Steele? So I'm going to get the third book in the Destiny Initiative finished by the end of this year. And I'm hoping to get a few more books converted into audiobook as well. And then next year, I want to start on the sequel to Ghost of Me. Nice. Nice. That's, well, I'm, I'm glad you have a lot to do, a full plate. That's great. Well, how do, uh, how do people find you? I'm going to put all this in the show notes, of course. But you are, it's, is it Amanda Steele? And that's A-M-A-N-D-A-S-T-E-E-L, writer. Yeah writer.com that's that's kind of the hub right yeah and we have links to everything on amazon and all those other platforms we mentioned um including ghost of me which is intriguing me very much just to hear about this and you've got some nice nice reviews here very nice reviews for this and uh, but on the amanda Steele author page there are all of her books these are so fun and i didn't even we didn't even talk about all of them but there, but there's so many good things here and i think i think by listening to Amanda and I talk that you're going to be interested. Oh, wait, I have to ask one more thing. And then I'm going to, because we're wrapping up here. You've done, you've done a zombie book or two. Yeah, I did um, After the Zombies, which was a novella, because my younger sister's a fan of zombies and I am as well. And I just thought, well, I've never written a zombie book. So I wrote it for her birthday. But because oh. it was only three months before her birthday when I decided to write it, I thought it's going to have to be a novella because I won't get it finished in time. And then I just liked the characters so much that after her birthday, I went and did a follow-on full-length novel. Um, the cover is chilling, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the not-human cover? Yeah, I, that's one of the few covers that I've not designed myself. I got somebody who I knew at the time called Simon Marsh to do that. 
And he, he was really good. I just told him I wanted a scary looking zombie looking through the window. And uh, that's what I got. That's <laughs> really what, you, I mean, this is, yeah, it's, it's very eye-catching. So you, so you do your own covers. Let me ask you, is that, so, is that something you, is that a necessity, just financial necessity, or do you, is it something you enjoy? Um, it started off because I couldn't really afford to get anyone to do it. And I've come up with some really bad covers to start with. Yeah. But as I went along, I started to enjoy it. And I'm seeing to get a lot of good feedback from it. So hopefully people are telling me the truth. I feel like I've got better <laughs> at it. Well, I, I work with a guy who's, who's really, really good. And he's taken my ideas, my basic concepts to the next level. And it's, I found that's really helpful. But yeah, you, I, you, I see where you've had some fun with some covers here. Ooh, pieces of me. That's kind of nice. That's kind of nice art too. Uh, but, but it's all here on amandasteelwriter.com. And don't forget her podcast, which is Reading in Bed. It's, it's Amanda with Andy N. And it's, this is basically, again, a, a monthly podcast where the pair review the books they've been reading, which is great. Um, I, better, I better be clear. I think I saw this before, that you're not looking for submissions. You're not, you're not doing that. You're not having – writers and authors don't, don't flood her with things to read. Is that right, or am I wrong? Yeah, well, we have a spin-off podcast called Reading in Bed Extracts, where we'll read out an extract from somebody's book. But we're quite selective because I'm reading it out, so it's got to be something that I'll enjoy, because otherwise it'll just come across as me not enjoying the book, and it's not a good advertisement for anyone that way. Well, exactly. And by the way, you read an extract from Aldo Cernuto. Yeah, his publicist contacted me about a month ago. And that's one of the episodes of yours that I've listened to as well. I found it really interesting. He is a delight. He, he, I, I, I won't embarrass him. I think he was very concerned that he wasn't a good guest. And I said, well, Aldo, you're, you're, <laughs> you're enchanting. Please calm down. You're wonderful. You know, because he, he's like, I don't know if I said anything. You know, I'm like, you're great. And I, and I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning that here. But it, he was just so wonderful and charming. What a charming individual. I'm glad you, you listened to Aldo. He, he's yeah, great. Yeah, we're going to review his book later in the year. I've, I've got to stop myself from reading it now because I've got a lot of books on my list before I get to that. But I'm really looking forward to reading the whole thing. If you remember after when you do that, if you don't mind pinging me somehow, just letting me know, and then I'll link back to it because I love to to talk about our former guests and what they're up to, and then to have two former guests connected that way where you're reviewing his book. If you do that, that'd be so great if you wouldn't mind letting me know. Yeah, I'll do that. All right. Well, what have I not asked you about as we wrap up here? Anything that I've missed or anything you want to mention before we uh, head off into the ether? No, not really. I mean, there's lots of things on my website that people can see. Otherwise, we'll be here next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you've got a blog and an online store, and you can sign up for updates. It's all here. Um, oh, and I see that you do. You've got your creative writing uh, work here, and you've got some, you do, you says here you, you do some editing and ghostwriting and proofreading, and then, yeah, and you can be ordered through your website. This is great. Um, and I encourage everybody, if you need some help with that, uh, she's got the education, the smarts, obviously, and uh, the experience to do that. And uh, as, I, as we both kind of mentioned, uh, writers need help right now, just like, just like a, lot of, uh, a lot of professions, but writers in particular right now, I think, are kind of hurting because, as we've discussed previously, there's uh, book sales have slowed and copywriting needs have slowed down. And uh, so if you, if, you, if you need help, if you're a writer and you want another set of eyes on something, Amanda, that you do that kind of thing, right? Do you, yeah, you do some, yeah. you do that. And uh, is there anything you don't do? You do a writing critique as well, right? 
Yeah, I'd probably be a bit reluctant to do anything erotic because I just find it funny. <laughs> so I'm not really the best person to give anybody advice on that because I don't, I don't think people would like it if I start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this is great. Amanda Steele, I have so enjoyed speaking with you. I'm going to put all those links to your website and a couple of links to where you can, everybody can buy your, your books in the show notes. I thank you so much for uh, joining us here on Mysterious Goings On. Okay, no problem. And listeners, don't forget, if you want to check out links, they're in the show notes for this episode, which you can find in your feed, or just go to mgopod.com. That's mgopod.com, Mysterious Goings On. That's our home base where you can find not only links to Amanda's sites, but you can also find uh, previous guests like Aldo Trenuto, as we mentioned, and uh, Alessandra Torre, and so many more from going all the way back to 2016. And of course, don't forget, this starving artist could use a, a few book sales. You can buy autographed copies of my paperbacks on mgopod.com. You can also sign up to be a supporter for this podcast. Here I go again, rattling the tip jar. You know me, gotta ask. We appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. And please do me a favor. Do Amanda a favor. Do all indie writers a favor. Give them a shot. Don't just read the New York Times bestseller list. Don't just read the, the same old suspects. Take a chance on somebody new. You may just find your new favorite author. All right, until next time. Keep reading. It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by true car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill. Plus, take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed and together we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at PenFed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.